This is MSCI Perspectives, your source for weekly research insights as investors respond to the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm your host, Adam Bass, and today is August 6th, 2020. This week, from the effects of corporate bond supply to the impact of moves by the Fed and other central banks, head of portfolio management research Andy Sparks and team have thoroughly researched how the pandemic has hit fixed income investors. But as listeners of this program heard back in April, Andy is also a student of the markets, and it's always instructive to hear his analysis of current events, but also how he puts it all in perspective. Andy, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Glad to be back, Adam. As we speak, it's less than a week after the release of economic numbers that were bleak, to put it mildly. U.S. GDP fell 9.5% in the second quarter, Germany more than 10%. And while unemployment in the U.S. did decline last month, it has not looked good for months. All of this as the pandemic continues to rage in many parts of the world. And the Fed and other central banks, well, they're doing what they can through monetary policy and encouraging governments to continue pitching in in terms of fiscal policy. That seems like a good place to start today. Here in the U.S., we heard from the Fed last week. So briefly, what did they say and what type of impact have we seen? So I think the main takeaways from the the Fed meeting last week are, um, number one, it's uh, there's a little bit of a, a cautionary um, tone to the um, to the press conference that Chairman Powell held. It looks like the pace of the recovery has slowed. Q2 GDP was very bad, but he did note that employment growth during May and June had um, had been quite strong. But he also pointed out that towards the um, mid to end of June, that uh, it, it appeared that various barometers of the economy were slowing, and the recovery may not have been as strong as um, as market participants would have liked. He definitely underscored very much that the path of the economy, to a very large extent, will depend on the course of the virus, and there are limits to what um, governmental um, actions can take. And I'd say the um, third main takeaway from the uh, the press conference is that the Fed is going to provide extremely accommodative monetary policy for an extended period of time. On that note, not just in the U.S., but there was an article in the Wall Street Journal earlier this week speaking about how back during the worst of the crisis in March and April, the Fed was making loans outside the U.S., even to other central banks. Does that change any of the analysis? So you may be referring specifically to the um, U.S. dollar liquidity swap lines. Going back to the March time frame, um, markets just seized up. And it was not just the, the credit markets. It was also the market in U.S. Treasuries, what what many market participants would think is the um, deepest, broadest market in the world. Foreign institutions needed dollars. And one way they could uh, get those dollars would be to sell U.S. assets. Another way would be effectively the, for the Fed to lend them dollars. And that's the course that the Fed chose. And as the dominant global currency across the world, actions like that by the Fed actually help, I think, support the U.S. dollar. I think ultimately those um, swap lines went up close to a half a trillion at the peak. 
and that showed that um, they were they were definitely heavily utilized, and I think probably did um, contribute to some of the calming of the uh, of the crisis that we saw in them um, in in late March. And speaking of that calming, when we last spoke to you, one really interesting point you made was how an announcement alone, no action from the Fed, was having an impact. Now that these actions have been taken and things are in motion and the Fed is pretty much pulling out all the stops, what kind of reactions have you seen from issuers of bonds as well as the markets? What's quite interesting is that although the Fed has the has the firepower to buy approximately right now $350 billion of corporate bonds, they've only bought a, a fraction of that. I think it's, uh, it's approximately of the order of um, 12 or $13 billion now. And so this is a case of, uh, of where sometimes words can be as strong as actions. And so just the mere fact that the Fed said we are prepared to buy corporate bonds to create more stable um, conditions in the market and to try to allow companies that are viable firms to, to avoid bankruptcy, just the mere fact that they said they would um, intervene if needed that was largely what was required. So they still have all of this firepower that they can use in terms of um, explicit purchases, but they've chosen not to deploy most of that ammunition because um, market conditions had um, ha- have stabilized very significantly. Have more companies come to market as a result? It sounds like the answer is is yes. What are the what are the effects that we're seeing from that end? Yeah, it's um, the supply has been um, also very breathtaking, and so. There was a massive, massive issuance of corporate bonds, and yields began falling. It was not just spreads tightening, but just absolute level of yields fell um, close to 2%. There was a a massive wave of issuance. And this was not just companies refinancing existing debt. Um, It it was net new issuance, so actual supply increased significantly. And so, for example, in the U.S. investment-grade corporate bond market, over the course of about three or four months, net supply increased by 10%. That's huge. We did a little study. We looked at all the bonds that were issued during the crisis period up until a few weeks ago. And we looked at how those companies borrowing in the debt markets had fared in the equity market. And so one view is that, well, the firms that had done really well in the equity market, particularly technology firms, they might disproportionately be borrowing now because spreads spreads have really tightened a lot on those. What we found is that the majority of this new net new supply into the corporate bond market was coming from institutions that had not done um, very well in the stock market. They had been underperforming the stock market. And so the concern to investors is that um, – are companies becoming more overburdened at exactly the time when the economy has weakened? What's the warning that credit investors should heed? What do we draw from this? Well, I think a key thing for investors going forward is just to be paying very close attention to the um, the strength of the economy and also what parts of the economy are doing well. Ultimately, paying close attention to trends, not just at the economy level, but within various sectors is very important. So looking outside of the U.S., the European Commission recently started issuing debt on a vastly larger scale than they have before. 
clearly there's a political aspect to this, but from your perspective, why now? Yeah, the unique thing here is that the issuer is going to be the European Commission. It's not going to be individual countries, and so it's going to be common debt. And the European Commission has issued such debt before, but the magnitude of what we're talking about is is dramatically greater. And so they're going to issue up to 750 billion of euro. The drafters of this legislation have gone out of their way to say that this is um, a temporary and limited measure. But some of the debt will may be outstanding for 38 years. The main focus here is just the precedent that is being set. This action does serve a reminder that the euro area is able to act in unison, even in the midst of a crisis. And uh, it's, I think it has sent some calming signals um, throughout the, the, the eurozone. And it is interesting, again, like when we were talking about the Fed, it's the announcement. It's the it's the power of words by the central bank to have pretty large effect on the real economy. Definitely, the um, words can be as strong as actions, and you're you're absolutely right, Adam. Any final thoughts? Well, this is the first major crisis since the 2008 um, global financial crisis. I think we have seen that some of the regulatory. Um, um, infrastructure set up in the aftermath of the financial crisis has actually come out pretty well here. Ultimately, this is one more crisis we're going to learn from. Um, hopefully, we're towards the end of it, but we may not be. I think this is a good time for investors to uh, to be a little um, humble and to recognize that it, it may be appropriate to look at portfolio stressed under not just one scenario, but maybe under several. That's all for this week. Thanks to Andy and to all of you for joining us. We hope you'll join us next week when our guest will be George Binet telling us about his team's use of artificial intelligence in the hunt for COVID-related factors. Remember, it takes just a moment to subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or share with a friend. And for more from MSCI, check out the ESG Now podcast each Friday. Until next week, I'm your host, Adam Bass, and this is MSCI Perspectives. Stay safe, everyone.